Well, we're so glad to be with you today. Please take your Bibles and turn to uh, Acts chapter 8 today. And as you turn, I want to share a couple of things with you as we get the message today. Uh, first, I, I really enjoy Matt Stevens and his wife. So glad that they're with us and um, doing a good job. He's so enthusiastic about everything he does. And you just got to love that. You just absolutely got to love it. Um, I know that, that tomorrow's Veterans Day. I want to say something about veterans. Man, what an incredible sacrifice so many veterans have made. And uh, they are key to why we have the freedoms we have today. If you are a veteran of one of the U.S. Armed Forces, would you please stand and let us just take a moment and acknowledge you. Wherever you are, just stand up. If you are a veteran, look at, across the room and you'll see that. Man, we have individuals from all age groups standing. Thank you so much. And each of our services, we've been doing that. And tomorrow you remember to thank the Lord for a veteran uh, because of the sacrifices they've made and because of the freedoms we have. Something else I want to tell you that we'll talk about next week, but I want to give you a heads up. Next week is our Mission Sunday. So next week we're talking about how we take the message of Christ around the world. We have a very special speaker. His name is Gordon Fort. Gordon is a, one of the vice presidents of the International Mission Board, one of the most compelling speakers I've ever heard. The first time I heard him speak, he spoke of being raised in uh, North Africa and uh, in a village out way out in the middle of nowhere, waking up in the middle of the uh, morning, late uh, at night, early in the morning with an anaconda in his room, a large 12-foot anaconda snake, and just some of the excitement and adventure that, that that would certainly provoke. And he talks about missions as uh, someone who's experienced that in an amazing way. He'll be, uh, he'll be sharing with us next week. Don't miss that. But next week, we're going to begin uh, to take an offering for a very special project that's come to my attention. Uh, a number of years ago, some close friends of ours had some medical debt that was just about to sink them. It was so uh, difficult for them to work through that medical debt that they had. It was not uh, of their own fault. They had a health issue, they had surgery, and they had a lot of debt that came as a result of that. And it was years before they were able to retire that debt. Uh, and I'm aware now of so many people in our area that have medical debt. And there's an organization that, that churches are now working with. That organization will help us retire medical debt for people in our area. And we're going to have a special offering. We're calling this Do Good because it's out of a scripture that says, Do good to those uh, who are in, around you, especially those of the household of faith. And we have an opportunity to take an offering uh, next Sunday and the Sunday after the Sunday before and the Sunday after Thanksgiving are those two Sundays. And I want to encourage 100% participation. No matter how small or large you get, we can help retire uh, an incredible amount of medical debt for people in our area. Now, we don't know those names, but this organization is the go-between that helps us do that. And it's retired at the rate of $1 to $100. In other words, if we have a $50,000 offering, we can retire $5 million of medical debt for those in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. If we take a $100,000 offering, then it's $10 million of medical debt that's re re retired and removed. And these families receive a letter in the mail that says you are no longer in medical debt and no longer have to make those payments. And it's been broken by a group of people called Cross City Church. We want to do that starting next Sunday uh, all the way through the following Sunday. Now, just think about how that liberates people and think about how that does good to the community in the name of Christ. 
So I want you to be thinking with me, and perhaps you and your family can join mine in, uh, in making a gift above and beyond our normal giving as an opportunity for generosity and an opportunity to impact someone's life through what God has blessed you with. All right? So that starts next week. Please take your Bibles this morning. The title of the message is Open Your Mouth, Change the World. Now, that's an unusual title. Someone may want to qualify that title a little bit. Open your mouth and be careful what you say, but you can change the world in a positive way if you open your mouth and say the things that we're called to say. At Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 25, is a compelling story of one man having one conversation that literally changed the world. I want you to stand with me as we read about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You've probably heard this story before. It's a very, very uh, popular verse to talk about. And beginning in verse 25. Now remember Philip and those with him have been preaching in the villages, sharing good news wherever they are. And uh, they have come to the place at, uh, where the Samaritan villages are, those who are uh, half Jew, half Gentile, feeling somewhat excluded from the promises of God. And they've gone telling good news to people in these villages. They've moved from a period of revival, and now God's going to use this one individual, Philip, in an unusual way. The Bible says in verse 25, so that when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to the many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza, and in parentheses, this is a desert road. Now, this is in the original text. It gives us insights that this is not a road that anyone would normally take. It's an unusual detour. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. He will relate his generation, for his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. I love that line. And opening his mouth, beginning there in Isaiah, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. He kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Father, show us some things from this text that help us see our role in changing the world by opening our mouth in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated if you would. Every once in a while you hear a conversation that changes the world. 
Back in 1987, then-President Ronald Reagan stood in front of the Berlin Wall, the wall built by communist Germany to separate East Berlin from West Berlin. And he said to the Russian leader who helped form that wall, Gorbachev, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. And it wasn't long after that 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 moment, that message, that statement resonated with people on both sides of the Berlin Wall, and eventually it was destroyed within just a few short months after that statement. What many people don't know is that President Reagan had gone in front of the East German dictators and communist leaders. I had told them privately, why is this wall still here? For what purpose does this wall serve? Tear it down. And then when he publicly proclaimed that statement, it was enough for the wall to come down. A historic moment based on one conversation and later on one statement. Now that's what, that's what, that's what happens in the world sometimes. But when you, when you look at the life of Philip for just a moment, you'll see that what he did brought down even bigger walls for an even more eternal purpose with one conversation. We don't think about the power of a conversation very often, but all the way through the book of Acts, as well as the book of the Gospels that we have been reading about the conversation Jesus has with various individuals, all through those books, and especially Acts now, we see regular individuals as normal people who have these incredible conversations, and as a result of that, the whole world has changed, and you'll see that in just a moment. This is Philip who's having this conversation with an Ethiopian eunuch that God has arranged in just perfect order at perfect time for one man to be obedient and another man to be able to hear about the living God. As you read this text, there's a big idea that jumps out, and I formed one statement that, that will help guide us through this text, and every part of this text relates to this statement, so I want you to kind of remember the statement with me for just a moment because it pertains to us as well. Here's the statement. A faithful witness obeying the Holy Spirit can make a global impact through one kingdom conversation. A faithful witness, that would be Philip in this text, obeying the Holy Spirit, you'll see how he does that, can make a global impact through one kingdom conversation. Now, as we walk through this text today, I want you to see how this sentence relates to your life as well. Philip goes before us. God is using Philip in amazing ways. The God that used Philip in such amazing ways wants to use you and I in the same kind of amazing way so that our conversation can change lives and ultimately change the world. We've got to believe that because it's not who has the conversation. It's the fact that the conversation surrounding Jesus is life-changing. So I want you to look with me, first of all, a faithful witness. The Bible says and starts this story in verse 25, when they had silently testified and spoken the word of the Lord and they were preaching the gospel, those are lines out of verse 25. It shows the travelogue of what's going on, but it's what they're doing that's important today because what they're doing is what constitutes a faithful witness. Three words are very important here. One of the words is testified. They testified. The word testify simply means someone who's an eyewitness, someone who's experienced an event or a person that's qualified to talk to somebody else about that person. That's what we're talking about when we share the word witness with someone. We're just asking someone to simply say, what do you know about Jesus? What have you experienced about him? And whatever that is, you can tell other people about Jesus. That word eyewitness is the kind of word we use when we assemble a jury for a trial and 
the lawyers bring eyewitnesses to confirm what really happened in the story. Do you know, on the basis of one eyewitness, we can render a verdict of guilty or innocent based on one eyewitness? The idea of being a witness of something you experience is a veracity moment. It's a moment where you can verify and validate reality. I'm gonna pause for a moment and just ask you this question. It's a really important question. And that is, are you an eyewitness of Jesus? And maybe more specifically, have you ever experienced Jesus in any real spiritual way? And if you have, you're a witness for Jesus Christ. Let me ask you by an asking of a holding of the hands. Have you ever experienced Jesus in your life? Would you raise your hand? Now look across the room and there are so many hands up. And my point is validated right here. We are all capable of being eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ, experienced witnesses of Jesus Christ. So these folks in that New Testament era were testifying. Secondly, they spoke. The word spoke is a really simple word here. It simply means to speak often and frequently. It's the kind of word you use to describe a child who is always talking, always talking, never shutting down. And we've had a few kids like that. And sometimes it's hard to get them to shut down. The bottom line is these people in that day and time were always talking about Jesus. It was just a topic of conversation because the experience that they had with him was so real. They wanted to tell other people about Jesus. So they testified, they spoke, and then thirdly, they were preaching. Now, before you write off the preaching word, just keep in mind, this is not about a pulpit. It's not about people standing in front of a congregation the way this preacher is doing right now. But preaching in New Testament terms simply means sharing good news, sharing good news. Conversationally, they were going from village to village. They were going to every group that they could find that they were having conversations about the good news of Jesus Christ to forgive, to give eternal life, to reveal God, and everywhere they went, they were doing this as faithful witnesses. It was just a willingness to be unashamed and upfront about who we follow and who we worship. And, and when you really get down to it, the way the kingdom of God grew in the book of Acts was not through a group of big crusades and not through people packing stadiums and not through big worship centers like this and buildings where churches met, but it moved and grew through conversations that one person would have with another person where they testified, where they talked, when they shared good news with other people. That's how the kingdom of God grows. It's such an important thing for us to know what it means to be a faithful witness. He was a faithful witness, but not just that. He was a faithful witness. He was obeying the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in verse 26 all the way through verse 29. I'll just use a few phrases that you'll find in those verses. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He said, Philip, I want you to get up and I want you to go south down on a road that leads to Gaza. And yes, I, I know it's a desert road. I want you to move from a place where there are many people and much revival to a place where there is no revival and maybe no people. But I want you to get on that road, and I want you to go. Angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. And when Philip got there, he saw a man in a chariot, and that's when the Holy Spirit said, go chase that chariot, catch up with it, talk to that man. So here we have an encounter that the Holy Spirit has led Philip to have in an unusual way. Let me just say some things about this as we dive in. The Holy Spirit is always ready and eager to lead us as willing witnesses. If you're willing to witness for Jesus Christ, if you're willing to talk about Jesus, if you're willing to share good news with people, God will use you to do that if you're looking and if you're watching and if you're waiting and if you're listening. And that's one of the most important things we do from day to day. Everywhere you go at work, 
or at school or in your neighborhood is an opportunity for you to look for the moment where you can actually do what Philip was doing with this man in the desert. And God wants us to be ready for that. He was simply obeying the Holy Spirit and learning to do that. We like to say it like this, let your yes be on the table to having conversations with people about Jesus. Just let your yes be on the table. And that may mean praying in the morning, Lord, I don't know where I'm going to go today or what I'm going to do, but at any point in the day that you want me to have a conversation with someone else that points to you, I'm willing to do it. I'm going to give you my yes now. It may feel awkward. I may feel like I'm not prepared. It may feel like I, I don't have all the answers, but my yes is on the table. I'm going to be unashamed and always available to you to use me in any way that you want to use me through my conversation. Or somebody else said, just do it. Just do it. Nike has that logo out and says, just do it. Well, we ought to be the ones just doing it when it comes to talking to people about, about Christ because we actually have something to say. Now, I want to caution you here because as you think about the Spirit leading you or an angel leading this man, Philip, you have to realize that you can't overthink it. You can't try to figure out what God is up to. You have to just simply listen to his voice and obey because often what God leads us to do doesn't make a lot of sense. I can understand how Philip would have had questions. Why do I leave this place of revival where many are coming to faith? Why am I leaving these villages that still have yet to hear to go to this place that's like a desert? Why am I going there? Who's going to be there? What kind of conversations am I going to have? Well, he didn't have the answer to all those questions, but what he did know is that God was leading him even though it didn't make sense to him. Doesn't always make sense to us either. I don't always know why God is leading me to have a conversation with someone else, but that's just how God works. God is that divine chess master that moves people into position, that prepares us and prepares others so that when we have that conversation, it's no shock, no surprise, that he's prepared them and they're ready to hear what we have to say about Jesus Christ. So we just obey him. That's why God calls us to serve him wherever we are. That's why God calls us to share with whomever is in our path. That's why we're called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And this man, Philip's amazing. He does the simplest things in response to what the Holy Spirit says. In fact, when you look at what Philip says and what Philip does, it's so simple, but it's almost as embarrassingly easy. When I look at the verbs in the sentence, the Bible says he got up, he ran, and he opened his mouth. That's it. He got up, he ran, and he opened his mouth. So as the Holy Spirit led him, he was just willing to get up and go and open his mouth and talk about Jesus with a man he had never met before in his life. And what he's doing is he's obeying the Holy Spirit. So are you with me here? A faithful witness obeying the Holy Spirit, thirdly, can make a global impact. Now this is a big story. This is where the story gets bigger. One witness, obeying the Holy Spirit, speaks to a man that has incredible influence and who's been remarkably well prepared. The Bible says in verse 27, there was an Ethiopian eunuch and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So you see what's happening here. In the same way God had prepared Philip, getting him ready to be a witness, he had prepared this Ethiopian eunuch to be prepared to hear. And they were gonna meet in the, in the middle of a desert and only God could have known where the eunuch was, and only God could have directed Philip to where that point was where they met, but they met in that desert. They had plenty of time to have an amazing conversation, and this man who had been well prepared was ready to hear what the witness 
is going to say. Let me just tell you, I don't believe in anything like coincidences that happen on planet Earth. I just don't believe in a coincidence of a God who is sovereign and in control. If somebody is in your path that needs to know about Jesus and you know about Jesus, it's not by accident. God has placed you there. You simply need to have the boldness and the willingness and the obedience to say, I'm going to have a conversation with them. It may not be a perfect conversation, but trust me, I've had plenty of imperfect conversations. I've had plenty of closed doors. We all have. But what we do want to do is be obedient to the Lord. That's what we want. We want to know that we've done what God called us to do, and God will take care of the rest. So God's got this whole picture prepared. And what it is, it's the graceful heart of God bringing truth to a brand new group of people who were hungry for the gospel. So we know about this man that he's an Ethiopian eunuch. That's all we know. We don't know his name, but we know his job. We know where he's from. And we know where he's been. Let me talk about this guy for just a minute because it's really a remarkably interesting story. This eunuch was most likely a very high-ranking leader in the government of ancient Ethiopia. He was probably the minister of finance. He probably controlled the financial dealings of that area. It was called a treasurer is what he said, what the scripture says he was. Ancient Ethiopia, not the same as modern-day Ethiopia, but a larger area than modern-day Ethiopia, including Sudan and Ethiopia, all the land bordering southern Egypt across the Red Sea from Israel. It's mentioned dozens of times in the Old Testament, and you find it in the New Testament as well. It was a, an African civilization, a black civilization, that was quite advanced and influential with, with really strong ties to the Middle East and Egypt. Further, it appears that in this area of Ethiopia, possessed a dynasty of female rulers, all holding the title of Candace. So Candace was not the name of the ruler, but the title of the woman who led that nation. So this guy's a big deal. He works for this woman who leads the entire nation, but he's likely a very disappointed man because he's come to Jerusalem, maybe in part to conduct business, but also to worship, the Bible says. But as an Ethiopian eunuch, he's both a eunuch and he's a foreigner. And that means that he had difficulty worshiping because Judaism turned away eunuchs and turned away foreigners from worshiping in the synagogue. But he had purchased at a great expense the Old Testament scroll that he was reading. It may have been the entire New Testament or it may have just been the, uh, the, the uh, prophet Isaiah because that's what he was reading out of. But that would have been an extraordinary expense for him to do that he would have to have a great hunger to make that purchase and to be reading it all by himself. And he was reading the passage that deals with God welcoming eunuchs and foreigners at some point in the future into the kingdom. Think about that. So he's worshiping, searching, he's hungry, he needed no human persuasion. God brought all this to his heart and to this moment of the one conversation. Now Philip had no idea what he was walking into. He had no idea he was going to talk with a guy that ripe for the gospel. No idea that the guy had been turned away from worship and yet was reading the prophet Isaiah. No idea that this short conversation would change this man's life and change the course of history. But that's what goes on. That's what happens when we obey God. God is prepared at every turn to let us have those kind of conversations. Now listen to this. By witnessing to this man... Philip ushered the gospel into an entire African culture for the first time. 
Now, the reason God had this man prepared is because God wanted all of Africa to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants every nation to know him. He loves every nation. And he uses anybody who will be a faithful witness, obeying the Holy Spirit to change an entire generation of people. And that's really what happened with the power of the gospel in the mouth of Philip when he opened his mouth. Now, I'm going to take a step back for a moment. I want to bring you to modern day, where we are, where we live. I want to talk to you about how God has brought the nations to our doors. If God has a heart for the nation, he would take a man like Philip and take him down a desert road just to get word to this Ethiopian eunuch so that he could go home to his people and share this good news. What must God be up to today where we are? Dallas-Fort Worth area yesteryear, 20 years ago, was largely white and middle class. Since 2002, Dallas-Fort Worth has led the nation in resettling refugees. Let that sink in for a moment. Refugees from around the world have moved to Dallas-Fort Worth as their primary stop since 2002. At 20% of our population now consists of immigrants from some nation. That's incredible. We're now called the New Ellis Island of the United States of America. We don't have an island here. We don't have the sea, but we don't have a Statue of Liberty either, but we do have opportunity and people are coming. Now think about this with me, how God is bringing the world to our doorstep. Did you know that there are 50,000 Ethiopians in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? 50,000 of them. That's the nation we're talking about here in this Ethiopian eunuch story. The Hurstulis Bedford school system on the front page of the website proclaimed that they are the number one most diverse school district in America. 77 languages are spoken in the homes of our students. Now let me pose a question for you just a moment. Has God not brought the nations to our doorsteps? Has God not given us an opportunity to tell the whole world about the love and the faithfulness and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who died on a cross for every single one of them just as he died on the cross for us. What an incredible opportunity. And sometimes I look at what's going on around us and I think we're not really grasping what we have in the way of opportunity. We don't really get how incredible this moment really is. On an average Sunday, we have over 40 nations represented in our worship services when you include our traditional worship service, our Spanish worship service, our international worship service, and then this worship service as well as our North Campus. Forty different nations are represented in those worship services. On top of that, more than 150 people come midweek on Wednesday to English as a second language. Many of them are Arabic-speaking peoples from the Middle East who've not heard about the message of Jesus Christ, and we're teaching them English by teaching them songs that they can sing about Jesus. They're reading Bible verses and they're reading the gospel as they come so that they can learn English, of course, and also learn about Jesus while they learn about English. What an incredible opportunity. The world has come to our doorstep. The world is waiting for us to be what this man Philip was, simply sharing the gospel, simply being a faithful witness. I'm asking that what God did with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he'd do again through us. They do it through our faithfulness and our willingness to obey the Holy Spirit. Here's a statement. God will bring the world to us if we will be faithful witnesses. And I want you as a church to understand the opportunity we have. 
This is why we pray. This is why we serve. This is why we give. This is why we equip ourselves and share the gospel. This is why we disciple people who have never known what it means to walk with Jesus. This is why we do what we do, because God is using us and will use us, if we're a faithful witness, to impact the world for Jesus Christ. I can't stress this enough. 25 years ago, the way you did missions was to go to the other side of the world, get on a plane and go with a small group of people and share the gospel with people that did not speak your language today. They've come and they're learning our language. I pray we'll be faithful people. So we have this amazing opportunity in front of us. And I would say this to you. If you want your time and your energy and your money to count for the kingdom, this is the place and now is the time. Are you with me this morning? This is the place and now is the time. This is the place where God is bringing people. Now is the time where they're more ripe for the gospel than ever before. We can make a global impact. And the final line is through one kingdom conversation. A faithful witness, obeying the Holy Spirit, can make a global impact with one kingdom conversation. Now here's what the Bible says in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. You know, you do have to open your mouth to share good news. You do know that, right? You also have to open your mouth to say amen. <laughs> amen? Yeah. You see, when we all say something, everybody hears it. When we all open our mouths and share the gospel, word gets around. And the sound of a multitude of voices is what God expects and asks and looks for. It's a beautiful sound. It's a sound heard at Pentecost. It's a sound heard uh, where Philip was before he went to the road leading to the desert. It's a sound heard in that chariot. It's a sound heard every time we share good news with somebody else. When one kingdom conversation it was St. Francis of Assisi who said this statement, and this statement is, is an erroneous statement. It doesn't really... It doesn't really convey truth. But he said this. He said, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Here's how I, would, how I would correct that. It's always necessary to use words to share the gospel. Preach the gospel at all times with your lifestyle, with the way you live, with the way you treat people, with your kindness, with your compassion, with whatever you do. Then preach the gospel well. Show people that you have been saved by, delivered by, and loved by a sovereign God. Show them that, but at the same time, tell them who he is. It is necessary to use words, but what a privilege to use those words. Here's the statement you need to remember. We best preach the gospel with open lives and open mouths pointing towards Christ. Live it, then share it. So here's the picture. A faithful witness obeying the Holy Spirit can make a global impact through one kingdom conversation. You know, we are having an awful lot of kingdom conversations around here, and I love it. And at some point, we'll sow and sow and sow those seeds of good news about Jesus to the time and to the point where more and more people will respond to that and we'll see the nations come and then go with the gospel of Jesus to wherever they, they have, uh, wherever they go. Many people who hear about Christ here will go back home to visit relatives at various times and they'll share the good news about Jesus. They'll go to their homes five blocks from here and do the same thing. We have an opportunity to make sure that everyone is able to take the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to where they go. 
Now, we never did find out the name of the Ethiopian eunuch. We don't know what his name is, but what we do know is he took a different name with him wherever he went, and that name was widely proclaimed, and that name is the name of Jesus. We don't know his name, but we know the name of the one he was talking about from that day forward. He went back to Ethiopia, and historians say that he ushered in a great revival by being the very first missionary to Africa. That, with me for a moment, think about what that must have been like. How that impacted him to go back home and to tell people that were his friends, that were his co-workers, people that he worked with and knew about the goodness of Jesus. For him to know that he was bringing the first encouraging word about God to his nation must have been incredible. And as they also turned to faith in Jesus, what an incredible impact they must have made in his life to be the first missionary to Africa. That's wild. If you read much about this, you'll realize that Ethiopia ultimately became the first Christian nation in the history of the planet because of the witness of one man, this Ethiopian eunuch. A few years ago, my wife and I were traveling. Uh, we were in Denver, Colorado, and we took a taxi from the airport to the hotel. And our taxi driver was from some nation in Africa. We began to have conversation with him. It wasn't long before, um, before we asked him where he was from. And we were trying to share the gospel with him. He was very friendly about it. And uh, when uh, the conversation was over, I knew that he was a true believer. But I asked him where he was from, and he said, well, I'm from Ethiopia. And I said, well, how did you get here? And he said, friend, have you never read the Bible? <laughs> I was thinking, well, yeah, I have. And uh, I didn't want to tell him I was a pastor at that moment. But he proceeded to tell us and remind me that in Acts, there's a story about a man that we only know as the Ethiopian eunuch who came back to the area of Ethiopia with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, that's how I came to faith in Jesus, by that man's witness. Generations later, that's amazing, isn't it? You know, we don't often think about the impact of one conversation, but this conversation had an incredible effect. Philip was responsible for that because he obeyed the Holy Spirit, did what God called him to do. The eunuch was responsible for that because he went back to his nation and told them about Christ. But God was responsible for that because both Philip and the eunuch had their yes on the table that said yes to him. We've been making a statement these last few weeks that I, I hope you'll carry home with you. I hope you wear it in the days ahead. And the statement is, go and make. And by that, we mean go and make time. Make time for people in your life. Because when you meet them and talk to them, then you're making conversation. Go make time and then go make a conversation. And as you have conversations, bring up the kingdom of God. Bring up who you worship and why. And what kind of relationship you have with him. Go and make time. Go and make conversations. Go and make friends. Because as you make friends, you begin to love them and care about them. You begin to pray for them. But ultimately, that's how you go and make disciples. You go and make disciples by going and making time, going and making conversation, going and making friends. And then you go and make disciples. I think sometimes we don't go and make disciples because we don't ever go and make time first. So go and make and as you do, know that the hand of God is on you. Because faithful witnesses, obeying the Holy Spirit, bring global impact. 
through one conversation that turns towards Christ. Would you bow your head for just a moment, close your eyes. I'm gonna ask our counselors, our prayer counselors to come to the front. In just a moment, we'll share a few words and then we'll invite you to come forward to talk to someone about a relationship with Christ, maybe someone you're burdened by. Maybe today you wanna come and begin a relationship with Christ if you're not walking with him. This is the incredibly important day for you to do that. And so as our counselors come and as they stand, as they make themselves available, uh, I'm going to pray and invite you to walk forward. Sometimes when people walk out, others pause and say, I'm just going to wait for the crowd to leave and I'm going to walk forward because I want to have a conversation with someone that will help me know that I'm on the right track with Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father, in Jesus' name today, I thank you for one man that was faithful. I thank you that his faithfulness produced an incredible movement in the nation of Ethiopia. Father, I pray that you would let us follow his example, use us in the same way. What an amazing opportunity we have. What, what a great opportunity to share with others. So today, Lord, we ask you, use us too. I ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.